0: Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Digital Killed the Radio Star podcast. This is David. I'm here with my co-host, Chris. How you doing, Chris? I am doing well, David. How are you, buddy? I'm doing, doing well myself. Uh, before we get going, I just have a few uh, housekeeping notes here. Uh, we are on iTunes. We're on Facebook at Digital Killed the Radio Star. We're on Twitter at Digital Killed. We're on Instagram at Digital Killed the Radio Star. And if I could ask uh, you guys a favor, um, we're going to run a little contest on Facebook. I posted it earlier tonight and I'm going to cut it off Tuesday night at seven o'clock. If you can go and do a, uh, iTunes to, um, our page and write a review and a rate us snapshot that on your phone, post it under in the comments of the post about it. My wife is going to pick a random number and whatever number you are, um, that, uh, uh, posted to the account, I'm going to send you a $20 um, iTunes gift card. How does that sound, Chris? Sounds good, man. I
1: think I'm going to be, uh, I think I'm going to be applying to this contest
0: myself. <laughs> well, you know, like we say, uh, our mantra is buy music. And um, even though I prefer the physical, uh, buying something on iTunes is better than um, streaming it for free. And so anyway, if you could uh, just make sure you do that. And the reason we're asking you to do that is the more the likes and reviews we have, it's going to elevate us with who we're connected to uh, as far as being related uh, under the podcast app. And that's going to put us with more high profile podcasts. And so hopefully that will um, increase our listenership. And uh, Chris, we're sitting here on a Saturday night, uh, about nine o'clock recording this. And uh, about an hour or two ago, the the news broke of uh, Chuck Berry dying, Um, one of the the forefathers of uh, rock and roll. And, you know, to be one of those guys that started, uh, that helped start it all, he he made it to 90, which uh, most of those guys couldn't say that.
1: No, you know, and actually, you know, I was at the bar tonight talking to a couple of people, and I, I got the breaking news, and I told them, and they said, what, he's not already dead? And I think that's kind of the – that's probably going to be a fairly common reaction, unfortunately. People, I think, kind of forgot that one of our forefathers was still alive and still kicking. And, um, you know, I mean, I think this is just a time to remember one of the greats. I mean, without Chuck Berry, you know, we always – always think – living in Memphis, Tennessee, I always think when I when I drive past Graceland, John Lennon, you know, before Elvis there was nothing – Oh, man, I mean, I think you can kind of start making the same argument towards Chuck Berry. And um, I just want to take a, an opportunity to – I was looking through some of the tweets today, and I, and I thought I thought Springsteen said it best. He said Chuck Berry was rock's greatest practitioner, guitarist, and the greatest pure rock and roll writer who ever lived. I mean, wow. You yeah. You can't have stronger words than that. And that's coming from the boss, right?
0: This coming, I don't from, know, man. What, what's your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are, um, you know, obviously the most iconic thing he's known for is Johnny Be Good and that that intro and the solo, but you, you have to remember it, he was light years ahead with that stuff. Um, yes, he was. And, and, you know, and he played with. I wouldn't call it necessarily distortion, but it it was, you know, there was a degree of distortion there when other people weren't doing that. And, you know, like you said about quotes, I was reading Keith Richards said this, he said this years ago, not tonight. He said, you know, um, if they didn't call it rock and roll, they should have called it Chuck Berry. And that's that's coming from the man himself, Keith Richards. And this guy just influenced, he influenced everybody that went on to influence other people. Um, and, and, you know, we were talking beforehand, we were doing a little show prep beforehand without Chuck Berry folks. There's no Angus Young. There's no ACDC.
1: It's a good point. Blues based rock and roll. That's what he did. Yeah. 12 bar blues sped up and uh, to your point, ACDC, listen to ACDC records and, and tell me that's, yeah, it's classified as metal, but. I mean, listen to it. Tell me that's not blues. It's straight up what Chuck Berry was doing for all those years. So, I mean, we, we owe a lot of gratitude to the man. So I just got to say Chuck Berry, thank you. And rest in peace, brother.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm sure for the next couple of days, there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of more comments and tweets um, like that. Um, Cause he, he was um, very ahead of his time and, you know, as far as I know, uh, up until a couple years ago, he was still rocking live on stage.
1: Uh yes. As far as I know, you're correct. I don't know how. I don't know what he's been doing the last six to twelve months, but yes, he has been going steadily throughout you know his ninety years, and it's another loss. You know, it's one that won't get the same attention as David Bowie, right? But one that is—I uh, know this is blasphemy—but one that's more important than David Bowie. Um,
0: David Bowie would probably and, tell you that. Yeah, you're
1: right. You're absolutely right. And so this is a time just to remember, you know, with he's one, of, he's one of our forefathers. And uh, like I said, a lot of gratitude.
0: Well, uh, as we move on to a happier note, um, we're going to get into this week's podcast. And I, I really believe this week's podcast is going to be a special one. I think it's going to spark some debate. And I think it's going to bring up a lot of good memories for people that are that are our age. I I graduated high school in 94. Chris, did you graduate in 95 or 96? Six. 96. So we're children of the 90s and partly children of the 80s as well. Um, This is a podcast that when we started knocking around ideas that uh, Chris was really uh, one he was really pushing for. So before we get started, I'm going to throw it to Chris and I'm going to let him explain it. And then also uh, explain, there's going to be some caveats to this. So there's there's some things when you hear the topic of this podcast, you're going to think we should mention but we're not, but there's a there's a reason and a, and a method to that. So, Chris, I'm going to throw it to you real quick and let you uh kind of describe what the podcast is going to be out and be about in these caveats that uh that I've mentioned.
1: Okay. Yeah, well when we started talking about this uh, a few weeks ago, I told David I was like, "You know, we want I want to do something about the 90s, but I want to exclude, and it's it's not taking away their importance, because we all know how important Nirvana, Pearl Jam, we know how important those bands are. But I want to go back to kind of that 90s sound. And for those of you that have serious satellite radio, what I mean is, I think it's channel 34, Lithium. The songs that you hear on there on a daily basis, that 90s sound, and for, for David and I, it's kind of, like he said, it's what we grew up with. And I think, you know, for me in that, I'd say late 80s through the 90s, those are the fondest memories that I have of music. And I wanted to give kind of a – I wanted to pay special attention to the artists that may have faded away, may have um, – they may not be in everybody's thoughts. You know, I know, for example, uh, Dave and I are both very, very big RDM fans. He may mention Out of, out of Time, Automatic for the People – Man, that's not a wrong answer. I mean, that's a really good answer. But for me, I wanted to go to those bands that may not be remembered that way, and the bands that just kind of defined an era. And, and what I think of, in, and David can tell you what his thoughts are. But for me, I think it's the last great decade of rock music that we had. And I know we're kind of sound like old, you know, old guys right now, but you know, I think I think we I think we can probably back that up. Some of your thoughts, David.
0: Yeah, it's like I was telling you when we were talking beforehand. You know, um, the '60s were known kind of for the bubblegum pop. You know, the Beatles and the Monkees, and to a certain extent, the Stones in their early um, their early days. And then the '70s, you know, what you think of classic rock, classic guitar driven rock, Led Zeppelin, the Eagles, Pink Floyd, you know, things like that. And the '80s got kind of they got kind of weird there. The synthesizer was the new kid on the block, so to speak, and it was being incorporated more and more. By different artists, and you seem to have a for in the 80s more artists that were kind of there for a minute and gone. And we get to the 90s, and the first year or two of the 90s are kind of you know dominated by hair metal and um new kids on the block, and some of you know this the really pop stuff. And and then, of course, you know, when Nevermind came out, the game changed. And and like Chris said, we're we're not going to talk about those grunge bands because those are. Those are future podcasts that are going to happen. They're going to be good podcasts, and there's going to be numerous ones about things of that nature. And, you know, we're not going to talk about Metallica, the White Album, or uh, any metal or anything like that. We're going to talk about classic era, um, 90s artists, and also we're going to throw in a little bit of personal nostalgia, uh, why this means something to us. And I'll, I'll admit, on the front end, this preparing for this was a lot harder than I thought, because... Uh, in the nineties, I was, especially the early part of the nineties, I man, I was all metal and all heavy, all heavy music. And so I kind of, you know, got brought kicking and screaming into some of this other stuff, so to speak. And so, uh, which, you know, in college, I still listened to a lot of metal and heavy music and a lot of jam band music, but there's a lot of other music that I listen to and it, I'm going to, you know, bring up these nostalgic, uh, times, um, that we're going to talk about. And so, uh, I'm gonna throw it to Chris, let you lead it off since this is well, was your idea.
1: Yeah, well and I wanna to say too that another thing, you know, we wanted to we kinda of talked about it, is we don't want to bring up you know, more more of myself and I'm I'm more I more fall into this category than you do, and, and I, I know I pick a lot of obscure music, you know, and it's not trying to speak be different. It's just the stuff that I like. But this isn't this isn't the time where we're gonna talk about, for example, pavement it's an important band and pavement made some great great music in the 90s but we want to go with stuff that was kind of on the radio the stuff that you guys listening to right now that you're going to remember and before we even really kind of get going yeah before i really lead this off with kind of my first record i wanted to i I told david i wanted to do this this was butch walker who is one of my uh just music idols if you don't know who butch walker is just I'm, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you his biography just look him up, listen to him, and I think, be, I think you'll be glad you did. But anyway, Butch wrote a book a couple of years ago, and Butch more, I mean, aside from being a guy that I really respect musically, he's a music fan, you know, he, he is like, he's a Matt Penfield, but a Matt Penfield who made great, who's, who, who made and has continued to make great records. Well, he wrote a book a couple of years ago called Drinking with, with Strangers. And David and I were talking about this uh, just a little bit ago, and we agreed there's probably never been a better way to explain, like I said, our mid to late 80s through the 90s, the way it's that music, it's that nostalgia and the way that we're just so fond of that era. So let me just – if you'll just just humor me for just a moment, I just want to read the last paragraph of Butch Walker's book, Drinking With Strangers. Let's cut through all the BS for a minute everything you just read was fun and all but i need you to know something i sat at a gas station tonight and heard 99 love balloons by nina come on the radio while i was pumping gas not just it started getting a euphoric feeling it was when the keyboard pad kicked in and during the breakdown of the bridge nina singing softly that keyboard sound takes me back to my youth instantly it hits me hard i had a couple of glasses of wine in me But what really did it was just thinking about hearing that song for the first time 25, maybe 30 years ago. I was jumping up and down on the bed. I remembered the girls who I was in love with at the local swimming pool. I remember being in the back of my sister's boyfriend's truck and having my first beer buzz. The bottom line is the music puts a timestamp in your brain. From that minute, you connect with a song, and it stays with you forever. This I know. I have a debt to Nina for putting out that song. All I know is that when I heard that dreamy keyboard line at the gas station tonight almost last time. I forgot everything around me. I started thinking about how sad it will be when, when that feeling won't be in my life. I started thinking about my ailing father and how I'll hear a million songs that will always remind me of him. How we sat on the creek and finished and fished for bass and those are the best days of my life. How I won't be here when my son is at my age. And how, damn, this is the hardest thing to say, but I will be fifty in less than a decade. Your youth is the most important thing you will ever have. It's a time when you will connect with music like a a primal urge. And the memories attached to the songs will never leave you. Please hold on to everything. Keep every note, mixtape, concert ticket stub, and memory you have of music from your youth. It will be the one thing that might keep you young, even if you aren't anymore. Let the music play. David, could I have said it better?
0: You couldn't have said it better. I mean, and that's the kind of stuff that we're going to try to get to on tonight's podcast. And like I was telling you, um, I've read studies of where they uh, have played music uh, for people um, from age 15 through 19. And there's, there's physiological changes that happen in the brain when they hear that. And uh, you know, you're just going to hold on to it. It's like you were saying earlier, if uh, let's say guns and roses were to put out a new album right now, it may uh-huh. be it may be a great album, but when we throw in "Appetite for Destruction," we're twelve years old again, seeing them on MTV for yeah. the first time.
1: Yeah, I mean you're so right, and, and and that's when I when I started looking through some of these albums, and and, and honestly, some of them that I, that I'm going to list today, and by the way, people, there's this isn't a list, this isn't a ranking. we We didn't even come up with a top 10, a top 15. We didn't do that. We just wanted to talk about our favorite albums of that era. But when I started looking through these, I started thinking, and and some of them I haven't listened to in years. And those that I had not listened to in years, I put them on. And it's like, man, it still sounds great. How much of that is nostalgia? How much of it is it still sounds incredible today? I don't know. But it's not really important. The fact is they sound great to me today, and they're great great memories and so you know uh, without further ado i just kind of want i'm gonna kick us off i'm gonna like i said we're gonna just kind of kick some albums back and forth some of them are gonna be probably smash albums that you remember some of them not as much but the first one i'm gonna go with is uh really i think a definitive 90s band and one of those ones we talked about that's kind of faded over the years unfortunately because i think they were a great band um and i hope people will just remember these guys you know and not not forget that they put out some really really good music and that's the gin blossoms and this first album they did new miserable experience and and i'm sitting here looking at it right now and i mean I, i was one of the ones who bought it before before it even had success and i have the original album cover the album artwork and a lot of people probably don't even realize that that they uh for Hey Jealousy really took off, it was a it was a different album cover, and so I don't know, maybe maybe I can sell this on eBay. Not that I want to, but anyway, just some great songs on it. You know, Hey Jealousy, you know, until I fade away or until I fall away, I should say. But this is just kind of one of those albums that I think just screams '90s. I mean, Dave, you got any thoughts on this one?
0: Oh yeah, I mean that that one had had several um, songs that were in heavy play on mtv and you know on the radio and they were they're just fun songs and like you said when i turn on lithium and i hear hey jealousy and you know i'm just like oh man i remember you know there were good times had you know with that in the background and and and, and unfortunately this is something that i kind of a soapbox issue on and and i've i've talked to a couple people this week feeling them out on on some albums and it frustrates me like when people are like, basically only want to listen to that album. Well, they've put out other albums, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. like, it's like some people just write you once you turn 20 or 21, whatever you listen to before then, people just want to write it off until it does become nostalgic. And once it becomes nostalgic, all they want to do is hear what they heard then, you know, a lot of these bands are still putting out albums today. that are, that are very relevant, but nobody's listening to them because they think well that's you know gin blossoms they're probably on the state fair circuit and it's
1: not cool anymore right you know in, in some ways i mean glam is is the genre that more than any just kind of gets crapped on these days but let's not mistake no mistake about it. bands like your gin blossoms they're they're the same way it's not as it's not as extreme but they're still kind of like it, it's like oh well the gin blossoms but man i mean this is a band who you know 20, 25 years ago, people thought, you know, these guys could be the next R.E.M. And, and and I'm not just saying that just to say it. I mean, that's what really the reviews would say. I mean, look up old reviews on the Gen Blossoms. People thought they could be another R.E.M.
0: Right. And, you know, and the frustrating thing is you do see these guys lumped together on these tours, like Toad the Wet Sprocket with, you know, Counting Crows with Everclear or something like that, kind of like the 80s bands are doing. And it's doing them a disservice in my opinion i agree well, well tell me one of yours man well actually um i did a little contest on facebook today and said hey guys uh try to uh, try to jar my memory on one because at the end of every one of these you and i both are like oh i should have done this or i should have done that and so i told whoever jarred my memory the best i would um give them a shout out on the podcast and so one of my ph- actual pharmacy professors Rebecca Spicer suggested Foo Fighters, The Color and the Shape, which was their second album. And uh, I'm kind of lukewarm at times on the Foo Fighters. It frustrates me that the media thinks Dave Grohl is the only rock star there is out there. Yeah, But uh, that's the truth. You know, I, I've watched the Foo Fighters documentary, and if you get a chance to watch it, I, I highly recommend it. But basically the first album, he holed himself up in a studio and I think think there was one other musician but he recorded all the parts and I don't think he ever intended that first album to be released so the album comes out as Foo Fighters but at that time Foo Fighters was technically just Dave Grohl and so uh, they put out The Color and the Shape which is their first band album and it has you know it has three songs on it that I think are their their three three most popular uh, My Hero, Everlong, and Monkey Ranch and uh, my favorite memory of my hero was it's in one of the closing scenes of Varsity Blues, which is one of the great late 90s teenage movies. And, um, you know, they obviously went on to be a mainstay and, and they're still very uh, relevant um, today, but um, that was one I'd kind of forgotten about. And so, Rebecca Spicer, thank you for jarring um, uh, my memory on that. And um, so, there you have it the, Kukai, the Foo Fighters, the color in the shape.
1: Yeah, one thing I just want to say on this, this isn't so much of an album review, but one thing that um, a couple of years ago, Howard Stern—I'm a big Howard Stern fan—a couple of years ago, he had his birthday party, and Dave Grohl played, and he played, he played my hero, and it was kind of—he did it for Howard Stern because Howard Stern had told him that you know he had his own interpretation of it, and I've kind of stolen that interpretation from Howard. And I kind of think of it the same way, and I and I've never ever been able to listen to the song the same way since I heard Howard say that. And he said, "My hero." He said it reminds him of his dad. It makes him think of his dad. And if you think about the lyrics, you know, "There goes my hero." You know, he's or watch him as he goes. There goes my hero. He's ordinary, and it's like, man. I mean, I, I get I get chills when I hear that song. Since then, like I said, I know it's not so much of a. A review of the album. That's just one thing that sticks out with me, and you know, it just it makes me really sentimental when I hear that because uh, I've, like I said, I've kind of stolen that from Howard, and I kind of, I kind of share those those feelings. You know, it's a uh, it's a beautiful song when you look at it that way. Right,
0: a... and the song Everlong off the album when uh, David Letterman came back from his heart surgery. Um, that's one of the songs that he listened to during his rehab from his open heart surgery. And the Foo Fighters were in South America and they were playing and Dave was like, I want them to be on my first show back from, um, my heart surgery. And they were like, well, they're, they're touring in South America and they canceled a couple of tour dates and flew to New York, performed the song. And if you watch the final episode of David Letterman, they came out and performed that exact same song. So which that's something I've always thought that was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, that is, that really is. Um, and you're right about them. They um, they're the poster boys for rock and roll these days, and um, fair or unfair, that, that's that's the reality. But
0: well, one of the things I'm, I one, one of the things I respect about Dave Grohl is he's a fan.
1: He is. He it, it kind of goes back to what I said about Butch Walker. I read that last paragraph of his book. He is. Before anything, he's a music fan. And I can think of a few guys that are like that, but Butch Walker and Dave Grohl—they both fit into the category. They are absolute music fanboys. I mean, they are as much music fanboys as we are. And if I got a good—I got a good, good feeling—if Dave Grohl was not big with the Foo Fighters and Butch Walker wasn't this mega star producer and writer of great music, they might be sitting back, you know, having a couple of cocktails, doing a podcast like we are. Yeah. I so, agree. Anyway, well, I'm going to go with the next one that I have. Um, this one is uh, kind of like the Gin Blossoms. I'm, I'm, I'll go a little, again, I don't want to go to obscure albums on this one. I'm going to go stuff that hopefully people remember. But I do want to kind of hit on the ones that were the big hits initially. And I did the Gin Blossoms. And the next one I want to do was uh, Soul Asylum, Grave Dancers Union. And I, I, I still remember, just like it was yesterday, I think I was, I was probably a freshman or sophomore of high school – when I heard those first few notes of somebody to shove and um man what a song i mean that that is one that still holds up to this day it it's not even so much of a 90s alternative sound to me it's just a great great rock and roll sound and this album was just filled with hits with somebody to shove black gold runaway train and then i look at some of the deeper tracks that were in my opinion without a trace in the sun made may have been the best two songs on the album and i think this is just one of those bands that's just kind of they've put out a lot of great records and i just kind of want to give a shout out to i think his name is i'm not looking at dark Rock right now i think his name is dave murphy but he's the rhythm he was the guitarist i think dave perner played rhythm but dave dave murphy was the, the guitarist and i know he's not as important with the background vocals as say um michael anthony with van halen i think he was really important and a guy that kind of went unnoticed in that band and i think that they if i'm not mistaken i think soul asylum just dave and dave murphy i don't think there's i don't think there's bad blood i think that Dave uh, dave murphy just kind of stepped aside just kind of got out of music but this was a great 90s band a great great 90s band and one that unfortunately kind of falls in that category i know that Recently, they played in Memphis. I, I was—I think I was out of town. I wasn't able to attend, but they played Italian Fest, and I heard there was hardly anybody there. And that, that just makes me sad, you know, because they deserve to have thousands of people out there because the music—it's—it's it's no, it, the quality's no less than it was back in the mid '90s. It's still there, and it, it's just kind of—it's just kind of sad to me.
0: Yeah, they. You know, for people that aren't familiar with them, they they started off more punk than what they actually, um, you know, eventually turned into. But I believe Grave Dancers Union was their fourth or fifth album, and there'd been yeah. The-
1: if, if, if I don't mean to cut you off, I think it, I think it was like yeah, it was maybe even further out than that because I still remember the uh, and I've got a lot of their albums, but I don't have every one. I want to say the cassette tape, which I had. Yeah, I mean, are you are you really youngsters out there? I used to have cassette tapes, but anyway, I think the I think it actually had like. Side one was, God, I can't remember, but I think it was like maybe the sixth or seventh album. There's something about that cassette tape that, that showed that. Anyway, I don't mean to cut you off.
0: Go ahead. No, and see if this is a fair comparison, Chris. You know, they, they had this kind of underground movement, and, you know, Rolling Stone and them, I think one year named them the best live act in America and when grave dancers union came out they were kind of the media darlings much like uh the strokes were in you know 2000 2001 and you know uh dave perner was tabloid fodder for a while you know depending on who he was dating i think he Wynonna dated Owner writer, and I, I think there were others um and so they were they were always you know if if you read music magazines that weren't you know just i hate saying this term but mainstream media magazines You know, they were always mentioned, and you know, it's a band that I heard of, and then Runaway Train hits, and they just blow up. I I remember I was at my uncle's house in Mobile, Alabama, the first time I heard it and saw the video. And I believe they used that as a PSA for um, children that had run away from home. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I would not have brought that up, you know, just because I forgot it. But that video, if I'm not mistaken, that video brought home not one or two, but several children back to their homes just because it, and you're right. It was, it was a, uh, you know, it was basically the video
0: to sum it up was a, Hey, have you seen me? Right.
1: And that video, if I'm not mistaken, you brought home several children to the, to their, fa- to back to their families. And so, wow. I mean, that, this is even about the music, but look at, look at what they did making a video. And that was, that's just that's
0: incredible. Yeah, and it, since you brought you brought them up, there's going to be several instances of this, folks. So get ready. Um, I have another album of theirs, uh, "Let Your Dim Light Shine," which was the follow up to "Grave Dancers Union," and it's a little more polished, and I think trying to go a little bit more for the radio friendly um, appeal that it that it could present, but it came out. Gosh, end of my freshman year of college, summer after my freshman year in college and I know it's a it's a it's kind of a poppy pop song, but I love the song Misery off of there. I do too. And and, and I love um Just Like Anyone. That's my favorite song uh, off that album. You know, and so it was obvious that they, you know, spent a little bit more time in the studio, a little more production value and the songs may have been written with a little more of a purpose of trying to you know, be more mainstream, but it's like you said, I, I remember that summer that it came out, you know, freshman year, still living in, you know, living in the college town where, where I was and, you know, misery was on MTV all the time. And just like anyone had the video, if you remember the girl at the end, I think she grows wings or something like that. Uh That was kind of a, um, you know, a big video at the time, but yeah, it's unfortunate what's happened with them because I think their output has still been pretty consistent and, uh, Eddie Trump lists him, lists them as his favorite non metal or hard rock band. And, uh, well, and, I,
1: and I've told you before cartoon and that's one of their really early albums. It's, it's on a, it's on an album called hang time. The song cartoon is one of my favorite songs of all time. I'm not talking about like favorite songs of this or that, or I'm talking about one of my favorite songs of all time. These guys put out some really good music and, uh, and you're right. This was a really good follow up to their, you know, the one that really brought them into the forefront and you know, produced by Butch Vig. I mean that that's a that's a big one right there. He went it
0: was is he in garbage or part of garbage or
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And he you know but he um or or the song on the album too, you know, Bittersweet Heart. That's a great song. Great song, and I, and I like this album. I thought it was a really, really good follow-up. Yeah, and what's to, uh, and
0: what's, what's interesting if you listen to the, there there are a few songs on Grave Dancers Union and Let Your Light Sign that have a little bit of a country twinge to them.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I'm in, in on the on the uh, Grave Dancers Union, the uh, Sunmade. Maybe it's not so much country, but it's just such a slow, just I, I think it's a beautiful song, beautiful song. But uh, these guys. That was a great band. I think they're one of the more underrated bands in the nineties and I think I think Eddie Tronk, I mean, he, he gets it right. I mean these 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 guys are good. You know, don't kinda of like what I'm saying about the Gin Blossoms. Don't don't forget about these guys.
0: Right. Well, Chris, I, I brought up um another solo silent album, so why don't you go ahead with another one of yours?
1: Well, I wanna go with one just, um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because I don't want to let you run the lead on it because it's your band. But, um, I, I, I think if when you're kind of bouncing ideas back and forth, I want to say you had the, the follow up as, as one of your top ones. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about this in a prior podcast, but Oasis definitely maybe to me that that's their album. I've told you this many, many times before. That's the one that I think it's their I think it's their best record. Uh, I mean everything from opening track of uh, Rock and Roll Star we've talked about There's so many I, I think I think cigarettes and alcohol has come up on probably three or four podcasts by this point. Uh, and then the, of course the hit Live Forever. But this was to me, if you're gonna buy an Oasis album, this is the one to buy. And Oasis to me Was a defining band of the 90s. So, for that reason alone, they got to be in this discussion. And I'm turning it over to you.
0: Yes, that that album is great. And, like you said, I listed it as one of my favorite debut albums of all time. The the reason I did not list it in this one is simply because, um, you know, it was very, they had very moderate success with that. And when What's the Story Morning Glory, which I actually have on my list, came out, you know, they just exploded. And, you know, they went from being, you know, a band kind of on the fringe, you know, as far as like very little radio play to, I mean, they blew up MTV and they blew up, you know, the radio at the time. And the song, the album actually had six singles off of it. I was, I was, did not know that. And the three that they're really uh, known for, um, you know, Wonderwall and, uh, Champagne Supernova and Don't Look Back in Anger were actually the last three singles released. And, That's crazy. And, and, you know, they, they were different. Um, you know, they had that British lean to them and, 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 you know, they had this pomp, pompous attitude and they were very arrogant. And uh, one of the things that comes to my mind, you guys can YouTube it, they played Champagne Supernova on um, either the MTV Awards or the Movie Awards, and for those of you who aren't familiar with Oasis, they Liam Gallagher just for whatever reason does not really enjoy America, doesn't enjoy being here. Um, you know, there's been several shows in America where he just hasn't shown up, and Noel's had to carry you know the load, and so they're playing and they're playing Champagne Supernova, and it's got a pretty long solo at the end. And I'm sure our listeners will correct me. He either stands there and hocks a loogie on the stage and lets it dangle from his mouth, or he blows his nose and lets it dangle, and throws his drink up in there and just walks off the stage at the end. What and, a nice and, guy! Yeah, and if you if you watch like any of the you know MTV um, shows where they're talking about the history of you know the MTV awards and stuff. That one comes up, you know. They're just very, very arrogant, and you know, Noel tells says at this time he doesn't even really remember making this album. Um, you know, he was just cocaine was just a real issue for them at the time. But you can't deny, you know, the the way Wonderwall took over MTV, and you know, people that aren't even friends of, I mean, not friends, people that aren't even huge music fans, they they can sing Wonderwall. They can they know Champagne Supernova. But it's a it's a really good album that I listen to a lot, um, a lot, and it's you know it's a little more polished than than definitely maybe you're not going to go wrong with definitely maybe at all. Both of them are good. Uh, I think you know if you're talking about them, uh, both of them are like getting a steak dinner, and then one of them you get a steak dinner with scallops, but then the night you still had a steak dinner. And, and yeah,
1: and I think I think I think the lesson learned here people is if you never really got into the band, it's a good band. And, and, Listen not either album. And they, the, they they're a good representation of the
0: 90s. And a frustrating thing about them, as you and I were talking earlier, I have, you know, I'm when I get into artists like this, I become like an archivist. I buy everything they put out whether it's good or bad. And I have everything that they've put out. And they have actually put out one or two albums I'm not going to say that are as good as these two, but they at least deserve to be mentioned. Actually, their last album was just phenomenal, and you know we were saying like if they got back together today, that their places in Europe, South America, they could do hundred thousand seat soccer stadiums.
1: Well, yeah, I mean it's, a, it's the same thing as you and I have always talked about. You know, uh, we're, we we want to eventually do something on REM, and and I like got told. Like I said at the beginning of this, I don't want to talk about an R.E.M. album because I think they stand the test of time and they've gone through several decades. However, after that 90s run that they had, after you know everybody was familiar with Drive and Everybody Hurts, they kind of faded away. They released an album called New Adventures in Hi-Fi that is honestly one of the best albums they ever put out. But it's forgotten. Nobody's heard it. And it's an absolute shame.
0: It's easily it's you know? easily one of my two or three favorite R.E.M. albums. Yes. I mean, it is a criminally underrated album. I'm not going to get into
1: the right, that right now because I could go 10, 15 minutes on that album. But if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy R.E.M., stay tuned. We will discuss new adventures in high fi I promise. But... Moving forward, I want to bring up one that I think you said was going to be in yours as well. And this is uh, Counting Crows, the debut, August and everything after. And, you know, initially when I first heard this, everybody first of all, everybody that knows me knows that I am kind of ridiculously diverse. I listen to everything. I wasn't always that way. Like you were talking about, David, I came from the hard rock, I came from the metal. And it was an adjustment, trying to find my way into this these new styles of music. And this was one of them. I heard Mr. Jones. I loved the song. I bought the album. And it was okay, but it didn't just blow me away. And over time, it's been one of those ones that I've just really, really, really grown to appreciate. I mean, it's just, there's so many great songs on it. Everybody knows Mr. Jones. Everybody knows around Here. But we were talking about certain songs. I, mean, I, I think most of you probably know the rank. But maybe my favorite one on here, A Murder of One. And it's just... um, It's just the beginning to, to end. It's a solid album. It was just different for me at the time. It was kind of the... Uh, it was kind of helping me branch out. And, you know, not everything had to be the guitars turned to 10 and double bass. And this was kind of... um. This is kind of what helped me. I think this album kind of helped me evolve musically. And now when I look back on it and reflect on it, it's an album that just stands the test of time. And it's uh, kind of like we were talking about Oasis. uh, Counting Crows is just a great, great representation of the 90s.
0: You know, I I couldn't have said it better. Um, You know, I I honestly don't like the song Mr. Jones. I never have. And uh, when it came out, I guess I was still in high school, and so I didn't really pay, you know, them any attention, I think, to my freshman year and uh, a guy in my dorm just blasted Rain King all the time. And I was like, man, that's an awesome song. You know, round here, that's an awesome song. The song Omaha is great. But I, yeah, I, I forgot I, about that one. I agree with you, Murder of One, that's the best song on the album. And when we were doing research for this, I found a live version where they actually stretch it out nine or ten minutes. It's just really, really good, and we talked about you know Dave Perner kind of being the, the the hot thing there for a while. Uh, the same can be said. Is it Adam Durritz? Is that his name? Yes. Yeah, you know he dated Jennifer Aniston.
1: Man, he had Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, and I think he had just about every hot '90s chick there is.
0: And he's not what you call uh, a face Adam guy. Duritz,
1: you are my hero.
0: Right, plain I mean, and simple. This guy maximized his uh, his talent, but you, you know, <laughs> you, you're right. They they that is a great album, and it, I just have memories of the fraternity house late at night. That's being played in one or two rooms at every party, and yeah. uh, it's a, it's a great song. And they still they're still putting out albums uh, that haven't been as successful, but there there's several uh, that come after this. Um, the, actually, the second album I think it's called Recovering the Satellites has a song on there called Monkeys that I just absolutely love. I mean, Monkey, that I just absolutely love. And you know, they're still touring, and you, you'll see them in some packages. They're, um, you know, they're good friends with Cracker, and so a lot of times you'll see them um, together. But yeah, that one, when, when we discussed this, that was probably the first or second one that popped in my mind.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's a good record, and they're a good 90s band and I, I want to shift just before I forget, before I lose train of thought. Just because you said "Package Deals with Cracker, that's a band that you know most people are going to be familiar with the second album, but the debut to me, just the self-titled Cracker, um, and I and, and this is one I told I, I said at the beginning of this, I didn't want to I didn't want to take albums that didn't have any kind of success. Well, this one, although it is a debut, it was not huge like the second album. It did have success, and I and I can still remember back when I – it was on MTV, probably 120 minutes, but they had the uh, – the, there was a video for Teen Angst. You know, What the World Needs Now – I still is, is – I love the lyric. What the World Needs Now is another folk singer. Like, I need a hole in my head. And I just think there's so many great songs on this record. I still – I swear – I cannot tell you how many girls I've dated, but on their birthday, I text them the YouTube video to happy birthday to me. And, fellas, if you're listening to this, do the same thing. Your girl has a birthday, text them happy birthday to me by cracker. Always gets a good reaction, fail-proof. Don't just do happy birthday. But anyway, great, great record. Um, Like I said, Teen Angst, happy birthday to me. know someday can i take my gun to heaven it's just you know don't
0: crack her soul
1: yes i mean it's just this album is just it's so good you know it's one that it's not their most and they weren't the most successful band of the 90s and this certainly wasn't their most successful record but i just love this one and to me they just kind of have a defining 90s sound to me I, i hear that voice and, and this is the same guy that was, you know, the vocalist of camper uh, Van Beethoven, but most people aren't going to know that band. But this, this, the vocals of this band to me just sound so 90s. It takes me back. It's that nostalgia. And I love this record.
0: Go ahead. Hunter. They're, they're a great band. And this is just another great example of how you and I look at things. I have their third album. Um on mine, The Golden Age. And um, Chris and I, there was a year in college where Chris and I lived in the same neighborhood, uh, a couple houses down from one another. And uh, as as Chris could attest, our house uh, could get interesting sometimes on the weekends. And um, this was a song that was always playing. And the reason I picked it was, kind of encompasses everything that Cracker is about. There's, uh, you know, a lot of their songs have humor in them. Uh, For instance, they have the song, How Can I Live Without You? Which is basically like, how am I gonna live without you doing all the housework and cooking for me? You know, it's very tongue in cheek, (laughs) but it's a great, it's a great song. Also has uh, one of my all time favorites by them, uh, Sweet Thistle Pie, which is pretty heavy and that you know there's songs on there that have a rock influence a country influence and some that are a little heavier but this is the album i, I think about that year that we lived you know in the same neighborhood and um my two roommates at the time uh, loved love to play it uh, the song golden age is completely different than anything that they've done and it was a good follow-up to kerosene hat kerosene hat is the one that had their i guess if you call it their big hit low and then Kind of a cult favorite, uh, the Euro Trash Girl. Uh, yes. It's a hidden track at the end. And, and they're a band that still put out several uh, good albums. And they actually just released a double album called, I think it's called From Bakersfield to Berkeley or vice versa. And the Berkeley is a double album. The Berkeley part is supposed to be kind of more uh, indie rock sounding. And then the Bakersfield album is country music, kind of based on the Bakersfield sound. If you're not familiar with that that's uh buck owens graham parsons uh the beatles not the beatles the eagles kind of came from that and so anyway they're still putting out they're still putting out good music and uh, i i encourage you if you like those albums uh go give the rest of them a listen but you know their albums they suffer from you know if they have 10 songs on there they're not going to be 10 stellar songs there's going to be five really good and two or three you know Kind of good, and the rest is kind of filler. But I mean, that's you see that with a lot of artists. But yeah, they they were a very important band to me and to a lot of other people in the nineties.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and and if you if you're not if you if you know the name and you, and you like a couple of songs, we named, Go back and come back and listen to Camper Van Beethoven too. Um, I mean, it's definitely got more of the indie sound, but it's if you like Cracker, I think you'd like Camper Van Beethoven. But um next one i want to go with is uh it's a band called a lot of people don't remember this band and it's a band called four squirrels and i know most anybody listening to this probably is thinking who is four squirrels i would encourage you please go to itunes spotify whatever you may listen to go to four squirrels and when i say four it's f-o-r not the number it's f-o-r squirrels and listen to the song Mighty KC. And you're probably going to remember it because it was a moderate radio hit, which again, if you remember the way, when we first started talking about this podcast, we wanted to do stuff that you remembered. It had to have been on radio and Mighty KC, you know, KC stands for Kurt Cobain. And the thing, and I didn't, I, I recently learned this about this band. If they, uh, I remember getting this album when I was a senior in high school and I wore this thing out. I loved it beginning to end. It was, uh, I keep saying the same thing over and over, but it had that definitive 90s album sound. Of course, I didn't know what the 90s sound was back then, but still, it was great. I didn't know this back then, but I recently learned that this band, Four Squirrels, from Florida, they had played a gig at CBGB, world-famous CBGB in New York. And this was about a month before this album. And the album was called Example, by the way, Four Squirrels Example. This was about a month before the album was to come out. They played a, a gig at some kind of a showcase. Several bands were there. They played a gig at, at CBGB. And they were driving home, driving back to Florida, and just outside of Savannah, Georgia, a tire blew, and the singer and the bassist and the manager they all lost their lives and the label decided to go ahead and put it i believe it was sony music they decided to go ahead and put that al- the album out which came out about an out al- about a month after they passed away they went and put the album out and it's just weird when i think about it because it was before the day and age that we live in now where everything's on the internet and I think about this time I'm driving around with my you know, top off my Jeep and I'm blasting this album, loving life. Little did I know, the vocalist and the bassist were gone. And the album still set, the managed to sell about I think I read about a hundred thousand copies and they I mean this was as the mem- I mean again a month before they passed away. I mean, a month before they passed away, and the album's still sold it just kind of makes me wonder what they could have been and you know what what would what, what, what this band have done and, and I've, I've read reviews, of, I've read stuff on this band and people have compared them like kind of across between R.E.M. and Toad the Wet Sprocket and um, it's, it's a sad story, it's a depressing story, I don't mean to bring this podcast down but I think this is a band that had that 90s sound that, that deserves your attention and I think if you never did hear them go listen to them. If you maybe heard the sound and you kind of remember them, but you never doubt them, go check them out. They deserve it. They were a great band that shouldn't be forgotten. And that's why I wanted to bring
0: them Yeah, on. and I've, I've, you know, we, we were texting back and forth um, last night about this, and i would be honest with you, I didn't remember the song and went and listened to it. And you're right, it's, it's a good song, but I don't know if I can ever remember somebody basically dying right before, you know, something as big as this coming out i I know that i think that the guy from sublime didn't he od either right after that sangria or whatever came out yeah
1: i think the album was already out and and even if it wasn't they already had another album out before that yeah this was a band this was their very first album and uh from everything i've read you know the label and rightfully so the label expected to do things from them. I mean, you listen to this song, this album, and I'm not talking about just the mighty K C. Listen, again, listen to this album. It's, it's, uh, the four, it's four squirrels albums example. Listen to your know, eight Oh two PM. Listen to orange worker. <laughs> they are really, really well constructed songs. It's a great record. And it, I can't help, but think, you know, what could these guys have been? And I think, like I said, I don't. I didn't want to bring up stuff that nobody remembers, and I was a little bit hesitant to bring this one up. But I, but the reason I did bring it up is because I think that the majority of listeners, when they click on the Mighty KC by the Four Squirrels, they will remember that. And um, again, I just, I just want these guys' music. I want it to be remembered.
0: It's a sad story, and you know, like we said, I, I can't remember a scenario playing out like that. You. Um, um. You just have to think what might have been.
1: Yeah. Well, why don't you take us on a happier note? <laughs>
0: um, the um, the next album that I'm going to bring up is uh, Radiohead, The Bends, which was their second album that they put out. Of course, Pablo Honey was the first album with um, Creep was the big single. And um, – you know, that album was very much grunge inf- influenced. I, I've heard people refer to it as a Nirvana light and on, uh, the bins, they went much more of a guitar driven album and, uh, the sound was heavier and it wasn't, um, if you listen to it now, it's not as dated as Pablo honey. And, you know, it had two moderate hits on there, high and dry and, um, fake plastic trees that got a lot of, you know, um, rotation on MTV, but the album really didn't sell all that well here in America, but there's several lists in in England that have it as the second or third greatest um, album by a British band of all time. And I I really enjoy listening to this album. When I listen to this album, I don't skip any songs. I listen to it, you know, beginning to end. And I I feel safe in saying this uh, from my perspective, that's the only Radiohead album that I can listen to all the way through. And, you know, it's, it's before they went into the direction of OK Computer, and then after that, they just went out and left field for a while. But if you want to get kind of an interesting uh, perspective as to where they were going, Tom York said that on many of our albums, you either listen to the opening song or the last song, and that tells you the direction that we're going. And the last song, Spirit Fade Out, you can hear elements of OK Computer in that, which was the the... Album that kind of took them to superstardom and made them kind of the the darlings of the music snobs of the time, but I, I, album I just really loved. Yeah, and, that, and they're one of those bands that I
1: have no animosity towards whatsoever. I think they deserve their success. I I like a lot of their music. I don't. I'm not as familiar as a lot of people are, but. It's one of those that if somebody tells me they're a huge Radiohead fan, I don't, I don't sit there and question why. I understand it. It's never really, it's never completely clicked with me, but I know they're they're an important band. A lot of people love them, and I have I I don't have anything negative to say about them. They're just not necessarily for me.
0: Yeah, I I think that's safe to say and i'll i'll say that every other album but this one i'll agree with you on um there are a couple of songs on OK computer that i like and then after that it's maybe one song an album but their last couple of just i don't know i kind of feel like they get in the studio and they write a great song with melody and some punch and they're like what's the best way we can deconstruct this to not sound like this and that's what they go with Yeah. And that that frustrates me. And, you know, that there's people that are going to like anything they put out because they, you know, they get such great pub and Rolling Stone and and other music magazines. But uh, for me, the Benz is just a great guitar driven rock album of the time. And like I said, I listened to every song on it. And so um, that that was that was one of my picks. Well see I think that I think Radiohead
1: kinda of falls in there with uh like say a band that we both we both love, at least we love their early recordings, Wilco. Wilco is kinda of what we talked about, I, I know you mentioned earlier you mentioned the strokes, you just mentioned it with the Radiohead, they they're kind of the, the media darlings and uh I think Wilco falls into that. And Wilco has put out some great, great records. But over time they've kind of uh, they've kind of they've kind of left us. And I think that's probably as pro. And I'm not. I don't mean to speak for you, but that may be a little bit of what you've experienced with Radiohead.
0: Right. I think. I think you have in the Wilco camp. You have um, the first four albums up until and in, in, in including Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. You have a group of fans that love those, and then they got so many new fans with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. When they went forward, I think you have a group that um that thinks that's the way wilco should be yeah
1: yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna go with another i'm gonna go with a band that this is again this is kind of this kind of falls a little bit along the lines of my uh my previous you know previous four squirrels this band had a little bit more attention and they were out there a little bit longer the four squirrels but it's a band called the nixons and uh if you remember the nixons i will tell you I think they put out they put out three records, and I've recently learned that they have reformed, and I th- I think they're putting out a new record and it's supposed to be going on tour, but this is exciting news if you were ever a, a fan of the Nixon's like I was, and what we've talked about already on this is we this is this is a uh, a lot of this is nostalgia, and I think back to this album by the Nixon's. It's called FOMA. It was their first one, FOMA, F-O-M-A. First record they put out, they, um, I remember I was, this was the, I don't remember how long I had it before I graduated high school, but I do real, I do remember that the week of my high school graduation, I was listening to this album like crazy and it had the hit song on it, sister. And words I said with, uh, with four squirrels you probably will remember mighty KC. if you look up the nixons and you look up sister it's not a matter of you will probably remember you will remember the song sisters i have zero doubt and um the song the song sister was a little bit different from most of the album a lot of the album was a little bit heavier but it was just an album that i, I still remember the top off my jeep Every single song I loved. I did not skip any of them, and it's if if nothing else, it had to be mentioned of this nineties this nineties topic that, that David and I are doing because it was so important to me, and I just the nostalgia aspect of it. I love this record. I, I did listen to it yesterday, pretty much from beginning to end, and I still loved pretty much every track on the thing so if you never had it but you remember the band and you like the song sister give them a chance they're coming back they're trying again um support this band it's another great 90s band that i think um like i said kind of slipped through the cracks
0: yeah it's worthy of of your attention you know and i had i'd completely forgotten about this song and you know you're like hey go back and, and give it a listen and This is kind of what we were talking about. I hear it, and I immediately think of my old roommate and friend who I haven't seen in a long time, Ryan Wallace. So, Ryan, if you're listening up in New Jersey, uh, this is a song that Ryan loved, and we lived together for a short time in the fraternity house, and he played it all the time. And um, don't take this the wrong way, Chris, but I feel like this song could almost be a precursor for Creed.
1: I don't take it the wrong way. Um, I think a little bit of it's because of his vocal style,
0: and he's got. But it's that huge hook, you know, in in the chorus. But if but if you but if you
1: do listen to it, it, it doesn't sound like a Creed record. No, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. And um, I don't. know. I I, I I hear what you're saying, and the, 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 I guess the reason why I'm kind of I'm kind of stuttering a little bit is I'm I'm struggling to defend that or to argue against that because I think you do make a fair point, but it doesn't sound like Creed. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm, kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of up against the ropes on this one. Um,
0: no, I I didn't, I didn't mean that as a knock at all. I I, I don't take it that way. I just, I just think it's, I think it's a great record and I think you make a fair
1: point. And that's why I said, I think I'm up against the ropes because you do make a fair point. Um, i think it's uh i think it's a little bit heavier than some of the stuff the album itself is a little bit heavier than some of the stuff we've mentioned and that definitely ties in more with the creed um but uh but yeah i mean these i think i think that's an album that was just um again it's one of these ones i keep bringing up and it's the same theme uh, sound like a broken record but it's it's kind of uh it's kind of forgot they're kind of forgot
0: they are and and i'll be honest with you i don't I don't think I've heard that on Lithium, and I listen to Lithium, uh, you know, a good bit.
1: And you know what, I I don't, I I will say, I, I think, I don't, I can't remember hearing it on Lithium myself, and that's, that's stunning, because that song, as you know, was huge around 95, 96. It was constant on the radio, and how they're avoiding that one, I don't know, but it's, um... It's a great song, and I, I never really understood the, the lyrical content, but looking up, again, like, like, like we do, we, we kind of look at these things, and we kind of reminisce and start looking at some of this stuff before we do one of these podcasts, and it looks like the song kind of it came about because the singers, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I may get this wrong, and if I do, I apologize. If, if anybody's listening and they know the story, please let us know, but it sounds like the, uh, the, the singer, his sister, died of a drug overdose and that's what the song is about and when you listen to the lyrics it's um it's pretty tragic
0: yeah it's got it's just got huge hooks in it like you it would be a great song to play you know in an arena Mm -hmm. um yeah like you said a great song and i had honestly just forgotten about it but like we said as soon as i heard it i was like ryan wallace
1: (laughs) yeah and, and like i said they're back you know so it'll be it'll be curious to see see what they do you know um I, I, and when I say he's curious to see what they do don't get me wrong I am mean, not expect them to sell Madison Square Garden but they uh the, the, the people still care I hope they do yeah you know because if they come around I, I would love to go see them
0: well my next album I'm gonna break our rules and I apologize in advance but if you'll bear with me I will tell you why I'm breaking the rules Um, I'm going with R.E.M.'s Out of Time and the reason I'm doing that is, um, they really started coming on, I guess, the national radar. And Chris, you're much more of an R.E.M. historian than me, so if I get any of this wrong, feel free to chime in. They, they okay. you know, they were the kings of indie pop, college radio, you know, whatever you want to call it at the time. And they started getting noticed by the mainstream with um, the album Document with uh, the one I love and uh, it's the end of the world as I know yeah. it. And then the following album green had the song stand on it, which you mm-hmm. know got a lot of airplay. So at this point they've signed on with a major label and, you know, there's been under this underground buzz been building since 81, 82 and the, the record company. And I'm sure the band kind of thought we're on the cusp of, of really, you know, really blowing, blowing up big. And so they release Out of Time, and it has a song on it called Losing My Religion, which everybody knows, but that song for a lot of people was their introduction to R.E.M., and there's probably a lot of people that really like that song and that album that for a long time thought that was their first album, and when I my wife and I first started dating and we were riding around one day and that came on and she's not a big music fan and losing my religion came on and she goes, Oh my gosh, that's the Brenda and Dylan breakup song from 90210. And you know, and at the time, you know, 90210 was, was the show. And you know, one of the most memorable scenes and I went back and watched it on YouTube. Losing my religion is playing in the background and so, for somebody like her, that's the introduction to it. And I wasn't a huge 90210 fan, but, you know, most people were. And so, that's an important scene that's always etched in those you know, those people's memories. And one of the reasons also that I, that I do bring it up, this album made them relevant for the rest of their career. No matter what they did, it was a big deal when R.E.M. released an album. And... So when I think of the 90s, I have a hard time of thinking about the 90s without thinking about this album and just what it meant for them going forward. And like I said, it was featured on a very prominent television, sh- one of the most viewed television shows of the 90s, and it's playing in the background. And I just feel like for a lot of people, it was their introduction to R.E.M. So I apologize, Chris, if I broke the rules, but it's just one that I felt like I could explain it. I can't argue with it.
1: It may not be where I would have taken things, and, and uh, I guess I kind of made that clear that I would not have at the beginning of this, but I can't argue. And that's why I said there's really not a right or wrong answer on this. And that album is about as definitive 90s as you're going to find, period, and that's why it's it's not a wrong answer, and I totally get why you would put it in there. It's um, I guess where I came from is the, I come from the standpoint of REM kind of stood the test time because they could sell out. Although I'm about to I'm about to totally kill my argument. I was about to say they could they could sell out from the 80s to the 90s to to, to now, but can't. I mean, can't Oasis do that? Yeah. So. You know, I mean, I kind of kill my own argument, but I guess I just looked at, I I was thinking more in a line of bands that maybe aren't remembered as much today. But again, back to what I just said, that's not, I mean, there's not a wrong answer in that album. So since I've already told, I've already described what is right and what is wrong for how you put that into your list, the album's incredible. I, I can't say anything bad about it. I love the band. I love most everything they've done except for that period from after Hi-Fi up until
0: up and reveal.
1: Yeah, until the album they came back. I can't even think of the Accelerate. name of it. Accelerate. Yes, ex- yes, you're right. Accelerate. That's the one I was looking for. You know, that that period between those two albums was, was very weak, but that was um that was really really good. I mean, it had some great songs on it. And I literally, I, I, this is totally off the subject of what we're talking about, but out of time and the Beach Boys Pet Sounds, are my favorite two records to put on the bed. Or whenever I'm going to go to sleep and I want to hear, if I want to hear music when I'm going to sleep, those are my top two albums. That's not saying they're just totally sad, depressing, sleepy records. It's saying they're beautiful and it puts me at peace. And so I don't know how, better way to put it it's it's an incredible record
0: it is and like i said it made them relevant for the rest of their career yeah so what else do you have chris
1: well i've got i've got several more i know if we keep going we can stretch this out to two three hours so i don't want to keep doing that so i do want to highlight a few of these on here and i'm going to go and bring up one that it is what we do is going to depend on time but one of them i cannot let slip through the cracks. And this is a band. It's going to kind of go in along the lines of uh, the refreshments, Four Squirrels, some that are a little bit less known. But it's a band called the refreshments. And I know I recently told you about them, and and you did remember the song Banditos, and you listened to the album. And the, the album is called Fizzy Fuzzy, Big and Buzzy. And this is going to... Fit into one of those ones that you don't remember the name of the band. You probably don't remember. You don't so you don't remember the name of the album. But if you if you look up the refreshments, and you look up Banditos, you will remember the song. And this album is, I'm gonna go and say it right now. When it comes down to 90s, it's perfect. And I know that may sound ridiculous to some, but that's my opinion. I think it's perfect i think it's it's a poppy album it's uh a lot of great hooks on it and i there's not one song i would skip on this album and it's up there as one of my favorite albums of the 90s it's a band that should have gotten more attention they did have like i said they did have radio success with banditos not as much as they should have gotten but it should not have been the only single they had. There should have been two, three, four singles from this record. Maybe it was because of the timing. I think it came out in '96. But I love this record. And if there's any record that you don't know from what I'm from the ones I'm listing, this is the one I would recommend you go check out. The refreshments. Yeah, and I, I, I listen fuzzy, big and buzzy. Check it out.
0: I listened to it. I think all the way through twice this week. And I, I think I told you earlier, it's just a perfect power pop album. Uh huh. And the a lot of the songs are kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, there's some humor to them. And it's just fun. I mean, it's like you said, it's it's not groundbreaking as far as uh, you know. People aren't going to look back on it like they do Nevermind or Dark Side no. of the Moon by any stretch of the imagination. But it's just a fun album to have on. It
1: sounds like the 90s. Yeah. I mean, it has that sound. I mean, you can put it on and say, "Okay, well, it sounds dated." Maybe so, but it, but if you put on if you put on a Skid Row record, it's going to sound dated, right? I mean, it doesn't sound good, right? So I tell you, "Slave to the Grind" still sounds great to me.
0: Phenomenal, phenomenal. You know, so it's
1: it's it's yeah, it's, it may be a little bit dated, but it's it's a great great record, and I highly recommend anybody that likes that sound please check it out
0: yeah just put it on while you're on the treadmill at the gym and I mean it just it kind of lifts your spirits
1: yeah yeah, you're right about that it, it's an uplifting record I mean it's not it's not the 90s kind of downer stuff that we're so accustomed to it, it is it's happy it's a happy album
0: you're right you're right yeah most of the stuff in the 90s is, is pretty heavy as far as lyrical content and you know the emotion behind it and this is uh, this doesn't fall into that category uh huh well, the next album, exactly. the next album I'm going to talk about is by a band called Bighead Todd and the Monsters, and it's called Sister Sweetly. And the reason I brought up this album, uh, I heard it in high school, and I was getting ready to um, go to college, and you know, you kind of have in your head, well, you know, I need to learn to listen to some college music. And uh, for me, this was kind of one of the things I listened to to kind of prep myself for. You know, listening to um, music that you think of, you know, for, for the college kids. But the album really, it, it's got a little bit of everything. It's got some, you know, soul and R and B. It's got some heavy songs, um, you know, songs with big choruses and you know, broken hearted savior and bittersweet and it's all right. Were kind of the the big songs from the album, but they're actually a very very talented um, band and. When we got through doing our cover song episode, I completely forgot their version of Tangerine, which is one of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs. It's a, a good one. It's, a, it's was a,
1: that, what was that on? Was that on Stratagem?
0: That I think was on that Enconium album, where okay. it was all the different, all these different you know '90s artists covering Zeppelin. But they still are a very, they're very, very good live band. I, I saw mm-hmm. them in college one time for free uh, in the Grove. And um, they're a very good live band, but they still tour extensively. Mainly it's out West. They're from Colorado, but I know uh, they, they they still sell out like Red Rocks um, out in Colorado. So they're still, they're still relevant out there and a very good live band. And this is a great song. Uh, I would suggest just putting on in the background, Uh, you having some friends over and, uh, it's going to have a little bit for everyone. It wasn't a huge hit, but, you know, brokenhearted savior did get some radio airplay. And I, I just, I flashed back to, you know, high school and trying to change my musical taste a little bit. And like I said, I did see them in college and they were very, very good.
1: Yeah. And I've been fortunate enough to see them several times over the years. And I think that bittersweet is one of the most perfect songs. And I mean that with all sincerity. I think that is... it's. I think it's lyrically good. I think that just the... I think it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And um, to me, that's always going to be their defining moment. And you're right. Brokenhearted Savior. I mean, good song. They put a lot of good songs out. I have several of their records, but bittersweet to me. It's just it's It's an amazing track.
0: Well, Chris, we probably need to get kind of rapid fire on these last few. Uh, we're We're at seventy five minutes. And, you sure we can't go another two hours? I think we oh, can probably I'd, pull it off. I'd, I'd, oh, we could we could go all night. I know that. But uh, right. well, you probably need to go rapid now. fire on, on the last few from each one of us. And,
1: and, and I wanted to go ahead, and that's why I wanted to spend a little bit more time on bands that did not. I mean, I know Soul Asylums and Gen Blossoms, they got attention. Uh, but the refreshments, you know, uh, Four Squirrels, Nixons, they didn't get that. But I'm going to give... A couple, of, I think, that got a little bit of attention, and then I'm going to close on on one that had a little bit more attention. So, if you'll bear with me, I'm going to go. I'm a. I'm a rapid fire through about three or four of them. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to turn it back over to you. One of them was um, Toad the Wet Sprocket, the album "Fear," and had a couple of hits on it, and they were just, um, I mean, almost, I guess, in the vein of the '90s style of REM say just uh i think this album fear was a perfect perfect 90s record um i'm not gonna like kind of elaborate on it i just want to say if you have not if you haven't already heard it check it out if you're just if it's if you're reminiscing you got the nostalgia kicking in like i do go back and revisit it it's and, a great record and it's
0: it's better than just the singles
1: exactly it is and that one that um, God, i'm trying to think of it help me out it's the one that's um
0: walk on the water it's,
1: no that's the one I mean I know that was a big one um, the one with uh, God, it sounds so awful with me hold her down that's the one I mean the lyrical content is a little bit rough but it's um, it's a good message and it's a uh, it's a great 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 tune hold her down um, live throwing copy throwing copper I know that was one of the big albums of the uh, 90s and uh, I think it was um, I think there's a reason I think there's a reason why it was it was a big album and why it was it was really popular it had a great a lot of great cuts everybody knows lightning crashes um, all over you selling the drama I alone I mean that's, that's a lot of hits but to me it was um, it was a song I think it was pillar of Davidson is about a 14 it was a really, really long song. That was the one that to me. Just uh, was incredible on that album. And then I've got uh, Collective Soul, the first one. Yeah. It's allegations and things left unsaid. This is going to kind of fall in the lines of uh, what you were just saying, David, about uh, toward the West Sprocket. But it's not just about the hits. You know, everybody knows Shine, but there was uh, there was a couple songs on there. One was uh, "Love Lifted Me," "Heaven's Already Here, is another one. They were just great, great tunes. I think this is a good, just Southern alternative rock band. That um,
0: does that album I have a song on it toward the end, like "Burning Bridges" or "Bridges"? Or yes, something? that's yes. a very good song.
1: It does. It's a it's it's a great they're just a good rock band you know they're they're not so much it's not so much that they're just the 90s they're just a good rock and roll band but they do get grouped into that and the last one I do want to mention I've already mentioned them before I've already mentioned this album before I'm going to mention it again tonight and I will mention it several more times when you listen to this podcast because I will not give up on this album I will not give up on this band The Afghan Wigs, gentlemen. It's my favorite album of all time. It's perfect. There's not a bad track. I have nothing bad to say. I have, all I can say is every song, A+, plus, A+, plus, A+. Plus. Listen to it. I can't give any more description of that. There's no need to it. Listen to the Afghan Wigs, Gentlemen. It is perfect.
0: And they have a new You're album up. coming out, correct?
1: They do. It is out, I believe, in May. I think it's May when the new and one is that's out. that's their
0: first one in how long?
1: The last one came out it's probably been about three years. I don't know exactly, but probably about two, maybe three years. And the reason why I'm not dwelling on them saying, Hey, check this out, check this out is just like I said, it's perfect to me. I'm not gonna dwell on this song or that song. I think every album's I think every song is perfect and they are to me, I mean that that is the band that is just so criminally underrated and I will preach to them as long as we do this podcast, I will preach the Afghan wigs, and I'll preach the brilliance of Greg Dooley.
0: So my now, my wife suggested that we do a podcast entitled Criminally Underrated. She's heard you heard you use that term several times.
1: Yeah, and I'll <laughs> hey I I love that. I love that she's listening. I love that she's paying attention and, and yes I will I will continue to use that and bands like that and albums like that. It is, um, and, and when I say I'm not going to elaborate, it's not because there's not a hit on it. There were, there were songs, there were, there were videos from the TV there were songs are on the radio. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it did have a little, it did get a little bit of attention, not as much as it deserved. And I just think it is, uh, I think it is a, a great, great record that goes so unnoticed. But everybody that has ever laid their hands on it, pretty much, some exceptions, for the most part, everybody's ever laid their hands on it thinks it's brilliant. And so I will. I'm closing on it.
0: Well, I want to. I want to. I
1: hope you'll pick it up.
0: I want to quickly go back to Collective Soul, and it's okay if we go a little bit longer. It's our show, and we do what we want to. Um, exactly. Turn it off if you're bored. Yeah. They, they Collective Soul is a very interesting band to me. And let me try to explain. That first album, the album Hints, Allegations, and Things Left Unsaid, I didn't know this until recently. That is essentially a album of demos that Ed Rowland had done. And they. I don't think they really wanted the record company to release it. Because I, if you listen to it... it It's not, there's very little polish. It's very, you know, it's not very polished. And I thought it was interesting. This is an album with basically demos that he had done with different musicians and it got out and Shine just blew up.
1: Well, and and I'm not going to dispute you, but if that's the case, I didn't even know of it. But but again, this kind of goes back to what we talked about, you know, in the, you know, and I brought this up with Four Squirrels, was not knowing the tragedy that happened to the, the vocalist and the bassist
0: it was pre-internet. Right. And so if this is,
1: if this really happened with hints allegations, there would have really been no way of me to know about it. And they really haven't been on my radar much since, since I was in high school. And so that, that may very well be true.
0: And well, I don't know. The, the, the frustrating thing about them, I really like them as a band and you know, they had a four or five year run there where they kind of had the Midas touch, uh, when, yeah. it, when it came to hits and, You don't hear them mentioned, with to me, with the degree of reverence and respect that I think they deserve. You know, if you sat down, and and named just the average person that listened to the radio back then, they have probably ten songs that most everybody knows.
1: You know what they are to me? To me, when we're talking about bands, and and I think you're right. I think they probably had a little bit more success, but to me, they're one that we talked about earlier. They're Soul Asylum they had monster hits and they're just not remembered
0: and they're, and, they're, and they're go ahead and it's
1: just it's just a shame you know because just because just because the genres changed a little bit I mean they shouldn't be forgotten and uh, I think that was a great band I mean Collect the Soul was great and I still I mean this is this is not so much about the album this is not so much about the songs but I still think it is the, the world I used to know. Is maybe if if you're if you're listening to this right now, you forget this band, go to YouTube, look up the world I used to know. It may be to me, in my opinion, it may be the greatest video ever made. It's um, it's sad, it's happy, it's it's just it's beautiful. It's a beautiful video. I don't know if you remember that one.
0: Oh yeah, if I remember the, that one. Go, I was
1: gonna say if you don't go back and watch that video, that video is just it's so touching.
0: And the, the song Run, I believe, was featured on several movies. Um, uh-huh. You know, scenes in the movies. But, yeah, it, it's they, they actually had an album come out recently. It has a song on it called Welcome All Again that I actually have that I listen to uh, quite a bit. And they're still putting out good music. They're they're very talented. I think they had an album. They actually did a duet with uh, Elton John, uh, which is – Well, that's
1: huh? saying something. I mean, if it's recent, Elton John's still recording with them. I mean, be, that's probably saying something.
0: Right, well, I have a few here. I'm going to quick uh, do kind of quick. Uh, yeah, go ahead. One of those is better than Ezra Deluxe, uh, known for the song "Good." Uh, like we've we've said before, Chris and I both attended um, Ole Miss, the University of Mississippi in Oxford. And uh, my freshman year, they just played all the time there. Uh, you know, they were a big regional band, and um, actually saw them um, at either the gin or, or, or Lafayette's um, right before good hit MTV and they blew up. And uh, there's a lot of rumors that the song this time of the year was actually written about Oxford. Uh, if you're familiar with Ole Miss football, the Grove is a famous tailgating area. And, and supposedly there's a line in there directly referencing that. That was an album that was just fun Uh, The guys liked it, the girls liked it, and like I said, they came around a lot, even after they got big, and so, uh, you know, got to see them five or six times in college, always a lot of fun. Um, Another one that I have that's, this one's somewhat obscure, is by a band out of uh, Georgia called Driving and Crying. They had uh, some moderate college radio success, but they had an album called Fly Me Courageous, and for whatever reason, I, you know, I grew up in a small town in Mississippi, and of course, on the weekends, you just got you and your buddies in your car and you drove around. And Fly Me Courageous was just always on somebody's radio.
1: It, it was, and you know, Mystery Road too was a that was a that's one that's kind of stood up and held the test of time just because of uh, uh, Straight to Hell, right? But, um, but but yeah, you're right. I mean, Driving and Crying was one of those bands. that I think they're a little bit more and, and and to some extent i think click the soul fits in this category but just on a larger scale but i think driving and crime was kind of more your regional southeastern and right. um but yeah you're right that it, they were a good band
0: and kevin kinney was the lead singer and, and you know yes. if, if you if you have any doubts about what other people think of him uh, he plays with um warren Haynes a lot and, uh, you know, Warren Haynes is not a musical slouch by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, he, he Warren does a Christmas benefit every year, and Kevin Kinney is at it a lot. And then if he's in town when, when Government Mule is playing, Kevin Kinney is playing with Government Mule. And so uh, that, you know, Warren Haynes is on the top of his game as far as guitar playing, and, and, and he really thinks a lot of Kevin Kinney. And actually, their first couple of albums... Uh, were a little more folk oriented and they got, you know, kind of heavy with the rock there for a while. But, um, I think Kevin Kennedy, Kevin Kenny, I think he still tours around the Southeast. So if you get a chance, go see him and you can hear Fly Me Courageous, which is a, a fun song to listen to. And I had another one that, uh, actually two more and I'll be done. Uh, 311, their self titled album, uh, had the song Down on it. Um, that album was always being played in the background. At the fraternity house, saw them uh, in the Grove, and a little-known band opened up for them by the name of No Doubt uh, nice. before they blew up. But Three Eleven to me is kind of an interest. They're an interesting band. I mean, they they you know incorporate some metal elements. Obviously, the rap um, part of of their uh, repertoire and the uh, the reggae. And they're still very relevant. They still sell uh, a lot of tickets to concerts and have a very devoted uh, following. And so 311, the self-titled album, I think it was Purple Album, just had 311 on the front. They, well, yeah,
1: I mean, I think, I think those guys are kind of like a, um, I mean, in, in a different, obviously a completely different genre, but they're like a fish or a widespread where they just, or even a Jimmy Buffett. They've got that following now. And um I could have easily put a 311 record in in my top because I think about, you know, the first time I ever saw them was at Music Fest, which is a festival held in Memphis, Tennessee, for those of you that are not in this general southeastern region. But, uh, you know, I I think I could easily put music or grassroots in there. But there were no, again, I, I tried to think about just hits and grassroots to me by them was just a phenomenal record. But uh, the self-titled, you're you're not. Again, there's no wrong answer, and that certainly isn't a wrong one. It's a good album.
0: Well, my last one, and I'm I'm shocked that you didn't list another one by this band, is going to be Smashing Pumpkins' "Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness."
1: Well, here's the thing: if I would have put one in, I would have put Sami's Dream" in.
0: Right, and that that's I was I was kind of expecting you to do that. Um, two totally different albums, but they're both very good. And, uh, Melancholy and Infinite Sadness, for those you don't know, is a double album. And you'll hear me say this almost every time I talk about a double album, it should have been a single album, but man, did this album dominate MTV for a solid year to two years. Yeah. Um, it was bullet with butterfly wings, 1979 tonight, tonight, are, were kind of the hits, but there's other really good songs on it. And I, I'm not a uh, Billy Corgan devotee or, you know, I, I like some of their stuff. Most of it, uh, probably either thumb in the middle or thumbs down. But this album, um, along with Siamese Dream, made him relevant for the rest of the decade and made him uh, newsworthy. But uh, there's some incredible playing. Um I forget his first name, but the drummer's last name is Chamberlain, and he's a monster. Jimmy. He's a monster on the drum kit.
1: Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I almost, I almost put Syme's Dream in, and uh, I mean, literally, I put all these records on my coffee table, and this is not just say it to say it, but I really did have Sami's Dream on the table. That is, that shows you how much I considered it, um, but.
0: Well, again, I mean the, the no, intro No
1: Wrong Answers, and I think what you named is a great one. I think they're just one of those ones, again, it's an important band.
0: Well, and I love, speaking of Sami's dream, the intro to Cherub Brock, man, if that doesn't get you going.
1: Oh, it's great. It's great. And, you know, I, I want to divert one thing before we wrap up, because I know you had told me, and I expected this to come up on your list, and it didn't. And because, and I never owned the album, but I do want these guys, kind of like I keep talking about, four squirrels. I talk about, I talk about the Nixon's. I talk about these bands that deserve to not be forgotten. And I want to bring up one because you said you wanted you. I know you told me you were going to put them in your list, and I want to include them, even though I never owned the record. And that's third eye blind, because even though I never owned the record, I can still think about going back to all these my my, my first year at Ole Miss. I can think about it, like every party. I stopped that. That album was on repeat. Right. And even though I didn't own it, I never thought, man, why won't they just change this? And why didn't I think that? Because the songs were good.
0: Right. Yeah. That's
1: why. That's why I, wa- I want to mention that album. Repeat.
0: Yeah, you know, and I actually I never owned the album, but I loved the singles off of it. And you're right, it was in the background everywhere you went. And it was uh-huh. a song that was easily accessible by both males and females, uh, high school kids and college kids alike. And for a lot of people that are just a little bit younger than us, uh, it's obviously more important to them. But they still have a they still have a, a, a pretty big following, and I think they still, you know, play to some rather large crowds.
1: Yeah, that's good. But I mean, as we wrap up, I do just want to say that the bands we most of the bands we named anybody that's listening to this you know who they are the bands we name you don't know who they are as i keep saying it's it's part of what we came up with it's part of our it's it's in our DNA. it was the the late 80s through the 90s don't let them be forgotten give them a chance listen to them if you forgot about them try them again if you never heard them check them out for the first time because it's like I, like I started out this podcast, this music, it might just be what keeps you young. And David, aren't we aren't we trying to do that? Aren't we trying to stay a little bit younger?
0: Yes, I would I would like to be a little bit younger, but you know I I, I agree with you. Uh, just going back, preparing for this is one of the fun things about doing this podcast. For those you don't know, Chris and I text each other back and forth all week, and. You usually at least have one phone call before we do the podcast, and uh, it's a lot of fun, you know, researching things and a lot of things really jarred my memory. And um, I, I found myself listening. Uh, actually, today I listened to those two solo sol uh, albums all the way through, and you know, it also you see, hey, solo solemn has got some new albums out. Let's let me give them a let, th- let me give them a try, and and that's the case with um, several of these bands, like the the last Oasis album. I cannot recommend enough to go get and, and listen to. It's a great album, but you know, I, this was a very fun podcast. I know we've gone long, but so be it. You know, we go as long as we want to. And it's been favorite one, yeah, it's, my it, it's one so far. It, yeah, it's it's been a great one, and we hope you've enjoyed the the trip back to the days of Saved by the Bell and uh, Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Yeah. Uh, Because I I know I've enjoyed it. And before we sign off, I I just want to say, please, 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 if you can, go um, to iTunes and rate us and review us and screenshot it and uh, put it on our Facebook page. And like I said, it's a $20 gift card to iTunes. So I'm giving you free money to go buy music. Uh, But just please do that. And I'll pick a winner from that. Um, I think I said Tuesday night or Wednesday night and um and follow us on facebook and and instagram and twitter and if you know other people that are music fans um like we are let them know about this Uh, we really want to grow this not necessarily to try to make any money from it but just want it want it to grow because we enjoy doing it we're we're we've just scratched the tip of the iceberg uh for what we can do and you know, like we said, we left out grunge albums, we left out metal albums, those podcasts are coming. Those podcasts are coming and, and they're they're going to be good ones. So before we sign off, Chris, do you have anything else you want to add?
1: No, I just say whoever wins the twenty bucks you know, maybe think about buying one of these albums. You know, like I said, don't don't let these guys I mean they the the heart and soul they put in these records, don't let it be forgotten. Um We're both big advocates of buying music and remembering it. Don't let them be forgotten. You know, maybe, and and if you want to go buy the new, you know, a new whatever record. uh, I can't even think of a pop artist, Taylor Swift, whatever. Go buy it. God bless you. I I love it that you're buying music. But maybe you want to reach out because I, I struck a nerve with the Four Squirrels story. And you want to go hear it. Buy it. Support these guys. You know, I mean keep the music alive and um, just thanks for listening. And like Huddy said, we're going to, uh, we're going to bring you the grunge. We're going to bring you the metal. We're going to bring you the glam. And if we're leaving something out, tell us what we're leaving out. Yeah. And, and we'll, it, we'll try to do it. We'll try to do it. We, we may not be able to do Taylor Swift, but we'll try.
0: Right. Right. And if, and if there's, if there's something you want us to do, let us know. And I promise you folks, the, the glam episodes, our special guest that we have lined up for that. Is uh, if they're gonna be, they're gonna be good, they're gonna be good, and it's gonna be it's gonna take several. Um, uh, but those are gonna be fun ones, as 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 are a lot of them. But the the glam metal ones, those are the ones that people have been asking about. And trust me, there, there's a reason we're waiting. Uh We have somebody that's gonna be on to help us with those, and, and it's gonna be very entertaining. And Chris, you got anything else?
1: No, I just want to say it again thanks for listening hope you keep listening and please email us let us know get us on twitter get us on instagram get us on facebook whatever you choose however method you choose let us know where are we failing where could we improve what are we doing great let us know we've we aim to please and so again thanks for listening and good night folks
0: all right guys that's going to be it for this week's podcast um we will see you um next uh next week we'll try to keep them coming out on sunday afternoons or sunday nights thanks again